Each year, the Adelaide Film Festival honours someone who's made an outstanding contribution to Australian screen culture by giving them the Don Dunstan Award, named, of course, after South Australia's progressive, charismatic Labor Premier from 1970 to 1979. The Dunstan government created the South Australian Film Corporation in 1972. Previous winners of the Dunstan Award include David Galpalil, Rolf Tahir, Jan Chapman, Judy Davis, Scott Hicks, and in 2017, Margaret and David. Joining that illustrious list in 2022 is our guest on The Year That Made Me Now, David Jowsey, the man behind some of the most extraordinary film and television to be made in this country. As the co-founder of Bunya Productions, David has been one of the leading, though intentionally not one of the most prominent supporters of the magnificent flourishing of Indigenous storytelling that's graced our screens and impressed the world for so many years. Some of the acclaimed film and television projects that David's produced include Mystery Road, Tumala, The Drover's Wife, Mad Bastards and True Colours. David Jowsey, congratulations on winning the Don Dunstan Award and welcome to The Year That Made Me. Thank you. David, I'd like to ask you two uh, origin stories. Could you tell us about your personal one and then the story of Bunya Productions? Let's start with you. David Jowsey, where do you come from? Well, I was uh, born in New Zealand and was born on the North Shore in Auckland. I spent a lot of my childhood going to the movie cinemas. Uh, my mum used to take us to the movies. So, you know, watching movies on Saturday at Takapuna and, and Northcote just developed this real deep affection and love for movies and storytelling. And when I got older, I got into theatre and at university, at Auckland University, got into uh, running a drama group around the country in my spare time to to make some money to get through uni. And that ultimately led to a job at TVNZ and uh, running campus film and it just grew from that. You've got a great affinity with Indigenous storytelling in Australia. Was uh, Maori storytelling part of the work that you did in the early days in New Zealand? Look, it was. You know, uh, my family, I've got got Maori nieces and nephews and, you know, it's all part of the family, so to speak. Mm. But I ended up, when I was working at Television New Zealand, uh, TVNZ, start of the Maori programs department, I ended up in there as an assistant. Uh, I certainly wasn't, you know, doing anything super fancy. But when it started out, there were a whole lot of – Tamura Morrison was in there, the actor, and mm. a lot of sort of well-known uh, Maori, Ernie Leonard, who used to call the rugby, the All Blacks, and a lot of, you know, well-known figureheads ended up in that Maori department. So I think it did create a sort of a, an affinity for, you know, Indigenous culture, I suppose, if I can put it that way, and that sort of translated when I moved to Australia. How did your connection with Australian Indigenous filmmakers begin? Well, look, that was a very personal connection. I ended up uh, marrying an Aboriginal dancer who was a founding dancer for Bangara, the theatre company in Sydney. And uh, we were married for many years. We're no longer married, but we did have a son. And so my son is a Murray, a Queensland Aboriginal guy. And so it was just from that personal experience of basically having a family that were First Nations Australians uh, that sort of opened my eyes to things. Uh, and certainly uh, my wife at the time, she was quite political. Uh, Bangara, they were always out mm. trying to teach culture, trying to you know make a stand for First Nations storytelling and movement. And so I just absorbed a lot of that from her and, and, and obviously having my son, it was important that he grew up and, uh, you know, was able to have a voice and find a place in the world. In the early 2000s, you went to Central Australia to work with the Central Australian Aboriginal Media Association. Could you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, well, again, that was really in talking to my wife at the time about um, why don't we have an experience where I can sort of immerse myself in the culture and 
you know, we can really see how that goes. And so that led to a two-year stint at Karma, which is the Central Australian Aboriginal Media Association in Alice Springs, which has a TV network in Paja. At the time, it had a film production uh, company and a music studio and a music a radio station. So it was quite a big operation. I ran the sort of the video side of that, and I made some terrific lifelong connections there. You know, the Steve McGregor's, Warwick Thornton's, Erica Glynn's, all of those people were there at the time, Danielle McLean and many others. So, you know, those people just became personal friends. And so we've, you know, as we've got older and, you know, we've we've just tended to work together because we sort of got on. There wasn't anything sort of planned, I guess. It just sort of bumbled its way along. And, uh, you know, we tended to trust each other and work together. You've done some pretty high-level bumbling since then, David Jowsey, including <laughs> winning the uh, 2022 Don Dunstan Award. And, David, I said we'd circle back around to the founding of Bunya Productions. Could you tell us the company's origin story, including where the name comes from? Yeah, of course. Bunya is co-owned by Ivan Sin, uh, one of Australia's premier auteur Indigenous filmmakers, and my uh, now current partner and wife, Greer Simpkin, who's my producing partner as well. So Ivan, Greer and I uh, run Bunya. Where it started was I was at the ABC. I was working as a commissioning editor at the ABC in documentaries, and I was making documentaries with Ivan Sin. And he'd made a fantastic film some years earlier called Beneath Clouds, which some of your listeners may have heard of. And uh, that won the Silver Bear at Berlin. It was a you know, really successful film in the early 2000s. And Ivan had a hankering to get out of documentary and get back into drama. And so he said to me, why don't we go and make a film? You know, it was like the blind leading the blind. And when it came <laughs> time to set up a company, we had to think of a name. And that name came about. We thought about, you know, what is our connection? And our connection is through my Indigenous family. Uh, they are a Queensland group who were part of the Bunya Mountains, part of their territory, if you like, or country was uh, the Bunya Mountains. And the Bunya Pine is is the tree that grows on the Bunya Mountains, and people will know the Bunya Pine. And it, every three years it, it has a fruiting. It has these huge nuts. The Bunya Pine is a really heavy nut, and it's uh, obviously a native Australian plant that is uh, good for feasting. And so back in the day, you know, before the sort of whole colonisation of southeast Queensland, this festival every three years was a very, very large Indigenous festival, you know, with feasting and marriages and sports and all of the sort of, you know, the politics that went on. And so people came from many, many miles to be there. And so that is recorded by white historians uh, that there were thousands of people came, uh, walked up there and, and came to this festival. So that Bunya festival on the Bunya Mountains was why we called it, because it's where both of our ancestors, my family's ancestors and his ancestors, would have met together. So that's why we called it Bunya. Could you give us a bit of an insight into the dynamics of the working relationships of those three key people involved in Bunya, uh, yourself, Ivan and Greer? How do you complement each other? What's the process that defines a Bunya production? Well, look, it came out of an intense desire to control the process, and Ivan led that. I mean, firstly, he wanted to tell stories from an Indigenous perspective because that's who he was and that's what he was politically and socially interested in. Uh, so that's why we, we made those stories, all the films that he's made. But also, we wanted to have a really, really low overhead. We worked from home. We made very, very low-cost films so that we could control a lot of what we did ourselves. Therefore, our company could survive. So if we made one low-budget film a year, we could easily survive on that and you know work our way up through the process. And so 
that frugal approach. Ivan Stool has that discipline. We, we put a lot of emphasis on the process of how we make films. You know, any undertaking, whether it's manufacturing or an arts project or any sort of thing that involves a group of people, the process by which you make that is a fascinating thing. We put a lot of attention to that and making that a lot of doing multiple roles ourselves and having a very frugal approach to expenditure so that we could, as I say, really do a handcrafted boutique type of operation. Bunya Productions now is a very substantial production company, but I've read that you, uh, between yourselves, sort of talk one another into doing slightly crazy art house stuff and you said to go off on tangents that are interesting to us rather than being more businesslike. Is that still the case for the Bunya of today? <laughs> I, unfortunately, I think so, yeah. We, we uh, started out the first film we made we made for like a very, very small amount of money, ten or $20,000. But it actually was a sci-fi we shot in Arizona and Area 51. And we took a couple of cast members over there and we bought a vehicle which we lived in and we made this sci-fi called Dreamland. And, we, you know, when we set out, we thought, oh, my God, we're actually going to make a sci-fi in Area 51. It's just going to be huge. We're just going to make so much money. We're the whole be film so was faked. Yeah. <laughs> it ended up being black and white with no dialogue and a sort of a metaphysical poem that was essentially unreleasable. So, you know, that's, <laughs> that's sort of, yeah. So it has moved on a little since then. But, it, yeah, we still do have an art house, if I can put it that way, a sensibility. Um, that's for sure. 2022 is the year that you've become a Don Dunstan Award winner. But David Jowsey, what year have you chosen as the year that made you and why? Uh, 2011 was a year where we really took off. We'd been really sort of doing our own homemade sort of, you know, making up what we did. And in 2011, we really came of age as a company. We had a film selected in Sundance which is one of the big four international film festivals, very hard to get selected in, and also a film selected in Cannes, which is the premier film festival in the world and really quite tricky to get selected in there. So getting two films selected in two of the big film festivals really put us on the map, and uh, we suddenly thought, oh, my God, we're real, we're actual real filmmakers. This is amazing. <laughs> so tell us about those two films. Well, the first one was called Mad Bastards. Uh, Mad Bastards was made in the Kimberley, where I got to uh, work with a group of uh, musicians from up there, the, the Pigram brothers. They were also producers of the film. The director was uh, Brendan Fletcher, who's just made the, uh, with Warwick Thornton, Firebite, the vampire uh, series that was on uh, Paramount+. Plus. I'm not sure how many people have seen that. Uh, so Brendan's continued to make films as well. So Mad Bastards was made in the Kimberley. And uh, look, it was our first film. It really was a sort of the bumbling thing we mentioned earlier, really was the case. It was semi-improvised uh, we just sort of mucked it up as we went along. And the film ended up being really good because we spent a year editing it and just uh, really honing it and working on it. But the part of it that was really sensational was working with the Pigram brothers and uh, creating the soundtrack for the film. Uh, the other film was uh, Tumala. Tumala was an Ivan Sen film that was set on the mission of Tumala, which was it's, it's a closed-down mission where his family grew up, and it's a story of that mission, Tumala, and... Northern New South Wales, and that was selected in uncertain regard at Cannes, and we took the crew over there. And uh, similarly with Mad Bastards, we took 20-odd people over there, and uh, most of them hadn't seen snow. Uh, Sundance is, uh, is, is in the, the winter and uh, up in Park City. 
most of the people from the Kimberley we took over there were like, oh, my God, snow. It was just quite an incredible experience for them. So, And then we shot a movie at the end of the year, which was called uh, Satellite Boy, a kid's movie in the Kimberley. So not only did we make a movie, but we launched two movies internationally. And it sort of felt like, oh, my God, it's really happening. Let's pinch ourselves. David, the essay to mark you receiving the Don Dunstan Award says, producers in this country rarely receive the plaudits that directors do, and one gets the sense that Jowsey is most comfortable on the sidelines. I wanted to get your thoughts on those two observations. Yeah, look, I mean, it's true. I think that, you know, if you're an actor, you certainly definitely looking to be in the limelight. There's just no way of uh, denying that. And obviously with a director, that creative vision that... Uh, makes the film and often we work with writer directors so you know someone like uh, Warwick Thornton or Ivan Sin they write and direct their own work so it really is their vision and so we tend to you know form very close relationships our relationship with Ivan you know it's when we really cemented the relationship with Ivan and, and our business became successful so look I think it's quite right that the director uh, who is caring and articulating that vision is the person who receives the credit for that. I mean, we do run a business, we run a creative business, but, you know, I think that's a very fair comment. What I would say is that one who's been around as long as I have and has reached the age, the grand old age I have, that uh, you have a lot of experience to draw on. And so with that experience, you can help people realise their vision and you can form a partnership, a creative partnership, that is satisfying for both parties. Looking back on all the projects that you've been involved in, I wonder if you could tell us about one that you're particularly proud of as a finished work and if there's another one that maybe you found the most personally rewarding to participate in. Well, I think the one that you'd have to say, it's hard to you know to separate your children course, and to point yes. one out in particular, but uh, I guess just because it was so successful and... Um, you know, won the special jury prize at Venice and won the platform prize at Toronto, which are pretty significant prizes to win, uh, was the film Sweet Country. And it won a lot of awards. That was a film we made with Warwick Thornton, written by Steve McGregor and David Tranter. So Sweet Country is a beautiful film. It was a beautiful experience making it. We really got very close to Warwick in the making of that. And the relationships that I'd had at Karma in those early days with Dave Tranter and Steve McGregor, all of those were really cemented in the story and the coming together. And it's loosely based on the true story of Dave Tranter's family. Dave actually drew the script with a ballpoint pen with stick figures. And that some of that material that he drew on A3 size um, drawing paper where he drew out with uh, dialogue captions in ballpoint pen the, the entire script is at Acme in Melbourne. You can actually see a, an excerpt mm. of that. So that's how Sweet Country came about. And as I say, that, uh, you know, sort of not just having an orthodox process and really thinking about the process by which you make films, I think is, is important. Well, David Jowsey, it's been great speaking with you on The Year That Made Me. Congratulations on being the Don Dunstan Award winner. I don't know whether it comes with either the right or the obligation to wear a safari suit for the next 12 months. Is that part of the deal? I'm very, very happy to wear a safari suit as long as I can wear a Hawaiian shirt under it. Oh, it sounds like a great combo. David Jowsey, thanks again for speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. And we always finish this segment by uh, asking our guests to select a piece of music. What should we go out with today? Well, it has to come from the 2011 Mad Bastards movie soundtrack. And the Pigram Brothers and Alex Lloyd made that. And the song itself is Nothing Really Matters. 
Gonna find a place to hide my head A shady is Nothing Really Matters from the soundtrack of the 2011 Bunya Productions movie Mad Bastards, the song by Alex Lloyd and the Pigram Brothers, chosen by our guest on The Year That Made Me, 2022 winner of the Don Dunstan Award and co-founder of Bunya Productions, David Jowsey. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.